Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program. John Martin, Vice President at MercuryGate, and Brian Thompson, who's Chief Commercial Officer at SMC3. And today we're going to talk about closing the gaps in supply chain visibility. Now, not having visibility to your shipments, your orders, uh, your products is an ongoing challenge for companies across all industries. Uh, you know, some companies may have, you know, good visibility to certain aspects of their supply chain, and they may have poor visibility or, you know, blind spots and other aspects, you know, such as transportation. So how do you go about identifying and closing those visibility gaps? You know, how are new capabilities and technologies helping in this effort? And then ultimately, what, you know, what are some of the benefits? Well, that's the, uh, the topic of today's conversation, and it's great to have, you know, both, uh, uh, John and Brian with us today to kind of share their insights and perspective and advice on, on this topic. So, uh, John, Brian, welcome to the program. Adrian, thank you. And Brian, uh, it's good to talk to both of you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's, it has stirred a lot of thought in, in my mind. So looking forward to our conversation and uh, thanks for hosting this. Yeah, thank you, Adrian, again, for inviting us. And, and John, I look forward to sharing our thoughts together. It'll be, it'll be an interesting show. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is a topic, uh, you know, that, that's, that's evergreen, right? I mean, it's always, it, you know, companies continue to struggle with, with, with visibility. Um, and, the and the challenge seems to only be, you know, getting greater as time, as time goes on. Um, so, so, John, let me, let me start with you. Um, you know, you, in your role, you get the opportunity to work with a lot of different clients. I mean, in, in your experience, you know, working with them, I mean, what are the biggest gaps in supply chain visibility and, and why do those gaps still exist? The things that come to mind immediately for me is the growing complexity of transportation. We have more participants in the network than ever before, and, and now international transportation for our customers seems to be uh, much more of a requirement than it was in the past. It's not, uh, it's not okay to merely focus on whatever continent I happen to be in or whatever country. I, I think that the thoughts that come to mind for me is that all forms of transportation can be, can be complex, and especially freight transportation. You know, if Star Trek were somehow a prophecy for the future, and we have transporters in, in the future, then, then we can move anything or anybody from any place to another place at any time. But we don't have that luxury now. So for now, things on this planet move with different methods, and in the context of freight, different modes. And every mode has its uh, own advantages and constraints. So for example, air is fast, but it cannot get from any point to any other point, and it tends to be expensive. The number of providers, methods, geographical limits, boundaries, they're practically uh, unlimited. And having visibility requires interaction with all these systems and data points and exchange of data for maximum visibility. Systems must be engineered to interact with best of breed components throughout the worldwide transportation network while providing a means to normalize and homogenize this data so that these inputs are discernible and actionable. And that's what I need, regardless of what sort of system, whether it's transportation or, or something else, when I'm dealing with lots of complexity and lots of data, I need that from a system. And I think that I'm, I'm really thrilled that we're on this, on this telephone, uh, this weblog, I apologize, this weblog uh, uh, with SMC and, and Brian because it's an example of what we've been doing for a couple of decades with our partner, uh, SMC, is leveraging one another's strengths for this purpose. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you, you know, you touch upon a, a number of think different things there. You know, obviously today, even even some of the companies that might be more smaller, mid-sized, that maybe only operated in, in a single, 
you know, geographic region in the past. So they, they're becoming global uh, themselves. So even the, even smaller companies are now having to deal with multiple modes, you know, much longer, you know, supply chains, uh, more trading partners that they have to connect to and, and get data from, you know, so that's, that's one, you know, reality there. And then I think it's just the urgency of time. And I think a lot of companies today really have, uh, um, you know, feel pressured that they have to make quote unquote smarter decisions faster um, in, in order to, you know, keep up with, you know, customer demands, both on the consumer end as well as the B2B world. So uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head on a few points there. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on, on that question in terms of with the companies and the clients you work with and, and kind of what are you hearing from them in terms of, you know, the gaps that they have and, and why these gaps still exist? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So John raised a number of excellent points and you talk about the, the disparate number of providers and sources you have to get this data from. And you have to take that data and you have to make sense of it. And John certainly alluded to this. One thing that's, you know, originally the only way to get, if you were talking transportation visibility, the primary method was good old fashioned EDI. And nowadays we're adding on new technologies. You've got web services and APIs that are connecting uh, transportation management systems with with inventory and warehouse management systems directly to providers and now it's really easy to get data overload right so while technology has expanded so that even the little guys have access to tremendous amounts of data now they have the same problem that the big guys used to have which is how do I take that data siphon through it make it turn that data into information and again I just need to know the little pieces that are going to help me act at the right time to be able to drive value to my, to my business. Right. So, um, you know, that's probably one of the biggest problems now is our, is the data overload issue uh, that we have. Um, not to mention anytime you're connecting multiple providers, multiple systems, multiple companies, because a true end to end supply chain visibility company is multi enterprise. It's not just even within your own enterprise, but, and anytime you enter people into it, there's going to be a challenge, right? And yeah. so you need these collaboration hubs to communicate suppliers with vendors, with the warehouse management, and with the and with the shipper and the carriers. That's a lot of parties involved just to just to manage a supply chain from end to end, whether the the shipper be big or small. Yeah, no, great, great point. There. I think the the information overload or data overload is a is a great uh, point. I mean, I was at a conference recently. One of the one of the keynote speakers, I think, said it best. That she said, you know, we're at a point in time where companies arguably have the most data that they've ever had uh, in in the history of of the business world. Yet they have the least amount of insights, right? And I think it, it kind of speaks to that because I think ultimately you have to convert that data uh, into insights, so then you can take some action. And I think you raise another challenge that companies face is, you know, one is integrating and connecting and getting the data, right? The other one is how do you then actually figure out what's the right data, what's the right information out of all of that, that's actually going to provide you with, you know, actionable intelligence, right? To actually, you know, do something that's going to result in a happier customer or it's going to result in, you know, a reduction in, uh, uh, in cost or, you know, improvement in productivity and, and so forth. Um, so, Brian, just staying, staying with you, I mean, when, when it comes to, you know, we, we touched upon a little bit about this already, but when it comes to transportation visibility more specifically, I mean, are the challenges the same across all modes? Or does each mode kind of present, you know, kind of its own unique challenges in trying to get that visibility? Well, you know, some of the challenges are the same across, across modes. I mean, you still have, the, still have to 
track and find out different modes of different bottlenecks or different points of concern. For example, if it's on the ocean, right, you're not going to worry about, I mean, if it's a, if it's a, 14 day sale, you don't worry about it on day five or six, but it, you do want to know if it gets stuck in the port or not. Um, you know, truckload shipments move directly from point to point. So there's a lot of technology out there now that, that can follow them using GPS. Um, and you can, and using some simple, relatively simple analytics, you can estimate a time of arrival for that shipment pretty easily. But LTL networks, for example, are much, much more complex. And, you know, my clients are usually dealing with uh, domestic LTL uh, problems, uh, and not every carrier, every carrier in the LTL um, space has a different network design. They have different hub and spoke network or meet and meet and rally points, meet and turn points. Um, and, you know, even, even if you know each of those, those DCs, uh, you don't know how long it takes to get through each break. Uh, each break takes a different amount of time. So the analytics, analytics just get much, much more more complex, um, you know, and, but really when it comes to shipment visibility, you want that information to be, to be real time, accurate and actionable. And until now it's primarily been EDI that's been the source of that, but now we have real time or near real time API uh, connectivity and messages that they can pass back and forth. Um, you know, and so that, that really helps with, um, with, with shipment status. Not all modes though are at the same point in their maturity and adopting these API status messaging uh, points. You know, if you're a 3PL and you're connecting to 20 or 30 carriers, you know, integration into, into carrier APIs can be time consuming, difficult to manage, and painful to maintain. Um, that's where, you know, there are partners out there now though that didn't exist three, four, five years ago that can help with that process uh, to get set up, um, integrate, and manage those integrations to the carriers and then also standardize the messaging back because every carrier has their own individual messages and codes that mean different things for the status of the shipment. So you really need to leverage, leverage those partners in order to consume this, this data in, in near real time. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, even, even with, you know, whether it's EDI or it's, you know, APIs, you know, I, I always talked about kind of integration, you know, we, we live in a, uh, in a Tower of Babel uh, type of environment, right? Where everyone's kind of speaking a different tongue, if you will. So even though you've got these standards and these technologies, you know, every company, every carrier, every shipper, every receiver, you know, they, they want to receive data in a certain way or they want specific types of data and all that. And, you know, being able to do those mappings or re be able to present the data and information in the context that whoever is receiving it wants to see it in, you know, is, is part, of the, part of the challenge there. Uh, John, your, your thoughts when it comes to, uh, you know, transportation visibility, uh, you know, challenges across different modes, uh, anything you want to add there, particularly on the international side? Yeah, the things that Brian said just had my mind racing. And, uh, and when you think about like a great management system should, should be able to easily model what you're actually trying to manage. So in the abstract, if we think about like, I grew up watching the Brady Bunch and on the Brady Bunch, Mike Brady he had uh, blueprints and then he would build a little uh, uh, model of the house and then you'd build the actual house. It's the same thing with a great transportation system with, and for visibility, I need to be able to model what's actually happening in the real world, which on the surface, we think that, well, that shouldn't be so difficult. But, but when uh, Brian mentioned like a hub and spoke network that, uh, that really spurred my thinking. Cause when you think about each country, you, the, each country's uh, politics, their geography, their, um, their 
uh, economic policy, all those things shape how you move freight in that business. We have a lot of land area, we have a lot of population, and we have a federal government structure where you can do business in one state just as easily as another state. Those state boundaries are very much dotted lines, so I can do interstate commerce easily. So we have large national carriers, we have hub and spoke, net spoke networks and that works well. But if we turn our attention to Europe, in that case, I do have, uh, even though you've got the EU, you still have some impediments to trade across borders. You've got higher fuel taxes. Um, you have other and, and more population and a, and a denser landmass. So that shapes the sort of equipment and the modes of transportation and how that transportation is priced. And then, and then you take some of them and then go to somewhere like New Zealand. So that entire country is the size of uh, New Jersey and all of your, the majority of your freight is coming from overseas. So it's a whole lot of ocean combined with trucks, but it's not a lot, you don't need a lot of variety in the nature of the trucks. All those things, and I know it seems like kind of a tangent, but really I need a system that can replicate my real world transportation models well, and then I can begin to consider visibility. So if a, if an, a system fails to recognize the concrete constraints for each shipping lane, then and even multiple lanes of transportation and multiple legs, that system and that combination systems will result in inefficiencies and a lack of visibility. So I do need a system that can model a large uh, model that reflects what I'm doing in my business, not break this down into silos. Right, and I think that's a great, that, that's a great point because I think, you know, particularly if you're a large corporation that's operating in multiple geographies, using multiple uh, you know, modes of transportation, so on and so forth, um, you know, if you really start drilling down, right, um, you want to be able to, um, uh, you know, at the rolled up level, you want to be able to compare apples to mm -hmm. apples, if you will. Mm -hmm. But then at the operational level, uh, you have to also respect yeah. the fact that, you know, the way transportation is managed and the constraints and the, the types of data you might need and collect here in the United States is going to be different than, like you said, in New Zealand, it's going to be different than it, it might be in, in Japan or China, it might be different in other parts of the world. So, you know, having that flexibility from a, from a TMS standpoint, let's say, um, you know, to be able to uh, model those constraints, those business rules, and, and, and the way transportation is done in those local areas, I think is, is part of that foundational layer that's required, um, you know, to, you know, so that when you ultimately build that visibility, it's, it, you know, it's, it, you trust it, and it's, it's, it's a reflection of, of what's really happening in each of those, uh, each of those areas. Um, so Brian, going, going back to you now, let, let's talk about, um, you know, closing those, those visibility, you know, gaps. I mean, what, what's the first step? I mean, how, how do companies get started, uh, you know, here? Well, I think the first thing to understand is that there's no one size fits all solution. Everyone's going to have their own individual needs and areas where, and, and level of maturity along the path of supply chain visibility, you know, realize that first of all, set your goals understand your business objective and where do you expect to receive the most value from supply chain visibility. Visibility in and of itself is not the goal. It's to, it's to drive, it's to drive value. Maybe it's getting products to market more timely or hitting uh, ever tighter and tighter delivery windows forced by retailers. Maybe, you know, maybe it's ensuring the product is on the shelf at the right time and limiting your inventory and process, maybe keeping the supply lines open, um, without, you know, obviously without um, overly high uh, inventory costs. So the first step is to understand your 
your readiness? What are your goals? And then figure out what your state of readiness is to, to tackle those goals, right? You're going to have a unique set of data needs, information needs. Luckily, there are, there are many providers out there today, such as Mercury Gate and SMC3 and many others out there that have already created solutions for these problems. Um, and there are use cases that are likely very similar to um, to anyone's needs that are that wants to um, achieve end-to-end -end supply chain visibility, so there are lots of resources out there, out there, and not lots of places to start. Now, you know, you, you raised something that I think is is very important because whether it's visibility or certainly it's something that I, I'm seeing a lot around. Where some of the other you know uh, buzz terms out there, whether it's you know blockchain or machine learning and AI and everything else. I mean, I think the biggest mistake companies can do is you know raise to invest in any kind of technology without first identifying the business opportunity or the, the, the problem or the challenge that they're looking you know, to address. It's to say, yeah, we're gonna implement a visibility solution, but without saying, well, what exactly uh, are we trying to accomplish here, right? By having greater visibility, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, you know, you end up wasting you know, time and effort and, and, and resources uh, because you really don't know what the destination is, or what the goal is. So I think I think what you said it makes it, you know a lot of sense and really you know part of that is understanding you know what are the metrics right what are the metrics that you're looking to improve upon and those metrics can be transportation oriented they can be customer service uh, oriented they can be inventory uh, oriented uh, but really identifying those metrics that you want to uh, you know have uh, visibility have an impact on and then that dictates then what kind of data you need to collect and 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 what format that should be in and so on and so forth so I think that's a, that's a great uh, you know, first step. John, anything to add on that question? No, I think you guys are spot on. And just, to, and I don't think there's, I have a whole lot to add. The only thing that occurs to me in the, the conversation that uh, you were having so far, it reminds me of one of my, my favorite illustrations. You know, Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, he would start every season by walking into the locker room and holding up a football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And, and his playbook, his offensive playbook, were variations around one play is just do the right thing and do it right. And so if I start with the baseline of can the system meet my current and future needs for all necessary modes of transportation, does the system interface well with other systems and can I easily add future interfaces? And, and most importantly, does the system accommodate my business process? Ideally, can, do I have some type of workflow that mirrors my, my business? Those, that's the foundation. If I get those fundamentals right, then making sure that all the uh, other details, those are super important but if I get the foundation right, I'm starting in a good place. Yeah, I think you, you, you bring up another great point, which, which really is a reality of, of transportation supply chains in, in, in general, which is, you know, today's operating realities is not necessarily going to be tomorrow's, right? So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you may have objectives and, and reasons why you may want visibility today to, to achieve a certain goal. But we all know that, you know, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, uh, you may have different trading partners, different carriers that you're working with. Uh, different, uh, you know, competitive uh, actions that you need to respond to and, and the like. Uh, so, you know, being able to, you know, continuously, um, um, you know, adapt and have that flexibility to, uh, you know, move in wherever direction the market or customers are taking you, I think is, is, is critically important. Uh, so, John, I'll, I'll stay with you. And, and now let's, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about technologies, you know, uh, you know, so far, but um, maybe we can dive a little bit deeper in, in some aspects here. You know, again, overall, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot around visibility that doesn't involve technology, like we talked about defining the business objectives and maybe defining the metrics and so forth.
but obviously technology ultimately is a, is a key enabler to helping to execute this. Um, can you, uh, uh, and one of the things you hear a lot these days around control tower visibility is, is certainly a, a buzzword to, today. So I mean, what capabilities or functionality should, should companies look for around this area? I, uh, you, you have my mind racing again with some of the things that, that, that you mentioned in the conversation just now. And, um, and so control tower is a good starting point. And I think of, and, and I back up and I think about this context that, you know, freight uh, transportation, if you think about, I think you can see the progress of the world in terms of the evolution of, of freight transportation, the progress of mankind. So when you think about what has happened about uh, the movement of goods that people need in the past, you know, that happened with, with caravans, that happened with uh, horse and, and, and wagon trains, and, and then with ships and manifested bills of lading. And, and as society changed and as, as population clusters grew denser and so on, uh, with the advent of nationwide mail carriers, we had catalog merchants come along and in some cases replace the role of a community or general store. And then Sam Walton, as we got a national uh, network of highways, Sam Walton came along and uh, displaced the catalog merchants by making lots of product easily accessible on the national network. And now Amazon is disrupting uh, the retail business uh, with their ability to get things to, to customers easily. So I do think that the only reason I bring that up is, is that it's, it's one thing we can print up brochures and we can put all sorts of buzzwords in there and the things that are useful and meaningful. Um, but if we don't recognize the context of the world that we live in right now, it's easy to, to chase features rather than important functions. That being said, I think control tower is table stakes. I think that control tower, multi-mode, SaaS technology, and ease of integration, those are gotta-haves. There's no compromise on that. And, and if I don't have these core components and I'm a growing concern, it's not a matter of whether I need these things, but when. And, and I think that's, and I have more thoughts on it, and I don't want to monopolize the whole conversation, but, but I think those are key components. My, my management system cannot merely be a database. My management system actually has to provide management and automation. Yeah, no, I think you, you hit, I think that's a, that's a great point in terms of number one is the ability, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to try to kind of uh, uh, unpack some of the things you said there. You know, one is, I think you, I thought it was an interesting kind of evolution there of kind of the uh, particular the retail industry and right and how you and I as consumers buy things. But the fact is that that continues to evolve and change. And obviously one of the big things that's happened with, with e-commerce has been the growing role of, of parcel mm-hmm. right? and how parcels become yeah. a much more important uh, mode of transportation yeah. uh, for, for virtually all companies today where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, you know, a lot of companies parcel was, uh, you know, non-existent or just something that they used to, you know, in the mailroom, you know, to ship out letters and, and stuff and, and, you know, uh, uh, packages to, to just a small number of companies. Uh, but we see kind of that growing role in, in, in dominance today. So you need a system that obviously, like we talked earlier, is able to adapt to the different modes um, and adapt to different business constraints and realities and business processes as they come up, because you know they're going to change, you know, over time. Um, I, I think the, what, what you brought up in terms of, you know, being able to automate those areas. I mean, I, I still see a lot of companies that are working with, you know, spreadsheets and fax machines and still a lot of paper-based, you know, transactions taking place out there. Um, and I think comp- a lot of companies were able to get away with it, if you will, up, up until now. But I think, it's, I think it's becoming clear that 
you know, moving forward, uh, companies can't, are going to have a more difficult time getting away with paper-based processes. So, you know, the ability to automate those areas where, you know, maybe you're just throwing people at the problem right now, um, you know, and these technologies are mature enough and table stakes to your point that, you know, they're proven, they've got a great history and ROI around them. And then I think you also have, you know, some of those emerging capabilities, you know, things like machine learning and, and AI, um, Internet of Things, you know, other ways to bring data into systems that are, are still emerging and, and, and you're seeing some early use cases there. But I think those things are going to become, you, you know, important as well. Um, you know, Brian, anything to add your thoughts on kind of the, on the technology side of things? Well, I think you guys did a great job covering it. I agree that if you don't have a control tower, if you don't have control tower visibility to all of your diff the different systems within your supply chain, whether you need shipment visibility, price visibility, inventory planning, warehouse, partner connectivity, then you're way behind, way behind the eight ball. And then, you know, the only last capability I'd really add is you, all, all of this data needs to be, and we've already touched on it several times in this conversation, it needs to be actionable. You need to be able to drive insight from it. And, you know, that control tower um, really has to have that capability in order to, um, and the analytics behind it to drive that, drive that insight for you and for the organization to really give you, give you the value that you need. Right. And I think related to control tower, I mean, I think, you know, a couple of things there. One is, and I think you both kind of hit upon this in, in your comments is that, you know, it really is, you know, when you think about supply chain, when you think about logistics, it truly is a system, right? So transportation doesn't operate in a silo. Uh, warehousing doesn't operate in a silo. Uh, you know, inventory management doesn't operate in a silo. So, you know, really is, is, is bringing that unified visibility and, and understanding how all those pieces work together as part of the system. I think that's a, a key component or, or objective of, of this control tower, uh, you know, uh, you know, view. And, and I, I think, you know, secondly, you know, the, the other aspect of, of, of control tower is um, that, you know, a lot of times the, you know, it's got to be actionable, like you said, you know, the, the information that, uh, that ultimately gets presented, it's something that you have to, that, that's going to make sense for the user. And it's something that, um, you know, they, they can quickly recognize what's happening, get some insights, and then ultimately take some action to that. that that's ultimately what's going to, you know, drive, you know, the, uh, the, the business value there. Um, you know, so John, um, you kind of moving on, we're getting short on time here. So I'm just going to uh, get just a couple of uh, more questions here. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about, um, you know, some examples uh, of how, you know, with some of the companies that you've worked with, perhaps uh, of how closing the gaps in supply chain visibility delivers, you know, business value. Sure. So I have a couple of quick examples that come to mind uh, to me on this front. And it's, and it's again, the benefit of having a single comprehensive multi-mode system. So we have a customer that started with us more than a decade ago. And when they came to us, they had $15 million worth of freight spend. Most of it was distributed throughout North America, but that just happened to be their business. The important thing here was, is that their parcel and their uh, LTL and truckload were completely distinct from one another. So like a lot of shippers, they relied on kind of paper and uh, rule of thumb uh, routing guides. The net of this is the nature of their freight, uh, their shipment would run anywhere from, their shipments would run anywhere from a couple of pounds to several hundred pounds. So that when they implemented uh, the system, 
uh, initially they didn't do shipment and route optimization. They got the benefit of rate optimization. So getting the right carrier in the right lane at the right mode, whether I'm doing a zone two move or a zone three move or a zone eight move, their freight span immediately went from $15 million annually to $12 million. And then once they implemented the shipment and route optimization with along with the rate optimization, their freight span went from 15 to 12 million to $7 million annually. Shipping the same product in the same lanes to the same customers at the same weights, but using the right mode of transportation to accomplish their task. On the other hand, I think about, and that's kind of an out outbound scenario, we also have a customer that recently, uh, they're very efficient in what they do in the way of outbound. They combine fleet and they provide common carriers and they do some good things, but they never gave a lot of thought to their inbound. They didn't think that there was a lot of opportunity in inbound. And they looked at their inbound operations and they set out with a goal to save a quarter of a million dollars, approximately a quarter, a little bit less than a quarter of a million dollars. And as they optimized their inbound uh, freight, they wound up saving more than a million dollars. And again, bringing in the same product into the same warehouses and the same stores, doing the exact same thing, but using a management system in the way that it should be leveraged in order to let the system do the heavy lifting and give themselves a bottom line advantage and they can pass that on to their customers and to their shareholders uh, for their benefit without changing anything in the way that they produce and acquire their product. Look, great, great, great examples there. And I think, um, you, you know, I think you, you, you hit upon a few things there that I just want to just elaborate on a little bit. And, you know, one is, you know, a lot of companies still manage their transportation in silos, right? So mm -hmm. inbound, separate from outbound, you know, maybe partial, separate from, you know, the private fleet, separate from common carrier. You know, I think one of the things about visibility and particularly in the context of a, of a TMS is the ability to take a more integrated, holistic view of your transportation operations that can then identify those opportunities where you can optimize, you know, inbound and outbound and across modes and across geographies, perhaps, uh, what makes sense in a much more integrated fashion. And that's where a lot of this value comes through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it. The, uh, we're singing the same from the same songbook. Great. Great. Brian, you have any examples from, from your end? Sure. I've got, I've got one. I mean, John's was a great example of how you can take a complex transportation, um, setup and utilization of multiple modes to really optimize. Mine's more specific around really getting process efficiencies um, from, from, you know, a network and a system that's been in place for quite some time. We had a large 3PL that was using predominantly, predominantly EDI for their tracking, but they wanted to be more real time uh, with their status updates. Um, they, had, they had had a few failures that they didn't uh, receive in time to be able to manage the disruption to their customers, um, to the supply chain. So they engaged us to um, start getting their status updates automated via API. Um, and they, they realized about 20% time savings, not just from the real-time API connectivity, but also because it was employed in a way that was intelligent, um, that basically brought exceptions you know, to the surface quickly so that they could uh, counter those disruptions before they really impacted the customer and, and make, make some adjustments on the fly. Um, you know, now that now that customers working on automating their their dispatch through APIs um, and expects to reduce labor hours on those activities by by 20 percent. Oh, you know, they they did they did experience about 20 percent time savings on the on the tracking 
um, API system through the automation, through the intelligence and exception handling um, improvements. Yeah, another great example. I think, you know, a lot of times when we think about transportation, you know, we, we sometimes think about, you, you know, the reduction in, in rates, right, in, in, in fuel surcharges and all that. But there's the time component and the labor component. Uh, you know, there's a lot of savings to be had in, in those fronts, you know, as well. So I, so I think that's another, uh, you know, good example there. Uh, well, you, you know, about, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Adrian, but you think about, you know, the time savings and it's not just saving time. It's about how could those those resources be redeployed towards more revenue and value generating activities? Could they be, uh, you know, obviously there's the customer satisfaction improvement that you get from managing those disruptions before they become disruptions, but also increase sales and, um, and other efforts that can really drive the revenue. You're, you're a solutions provider now, instead of just a track and tracer for a customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great point there. Well, I, you know, Brian, I'm going to stick with you here for the, for the last question. And then John, you can provide your, your uh, perspective as well. You know, as, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what questions should supply chain logistics executives then, you know, ask themselves to, uh, to assess uh, whether they have the right capabilities in place to close those gaps in their supply chain visibility? Well, I think it's important first to note that Supply chain visibility solutions are available today. They're already out there, they're on the market, there are providers out there. So um, it's important to take that first step and start receiving some value from that. First, I'd ask, you know, are you, make sure that, are you leveraging APIs and web capabilities to achieve real-time information? Make sure you've got a clear understanding of the business benefits uh, that you'll obtain through this improved visibility and make sure you choose your partners carefully. You know, partners have, the partners that you choose, they've got complete unfettered access to your very private confidential business information and data. And you want to make sure that they're, number one, a credible provider, they're financially stable, but all, and have strong data security safeguards, but also, you know, make sure that they treat your data as your property and not as their product. So make sure they have your best interest at heart. Um, and there, there are many providers out there that can help you achieve your goals and uh, give you long-term satisfaction with your supply chain visibility solution. Great. Uh, uh, John, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with the things that Brian shared with us and consistent with what he shared. I think about um, if I'm looking for a solution, then I do want to uh, find a solution that I can grow and scale with. So we like to look at our solution as the last TMS that you'll ever have to buy regardless of if I put any type of enterprise system in place, there's risk and expense involved in that. I don't want to do that every so many years. So I want to select a provider that has experience, expertise, financial strength, the ability to scale. I don't want to do this over and over again and, and not boasting about what we do, but we don't have customers come to us and say, we've outgrown your solution. We have to find something bigger. We we already had that solution for them and, and that's, I think that's, we see value in, in looking for a solution like that. Great, great. So, you know, flexibility, the agility, uh, you know, to really uh, adapt to whatever market conditions, uh, you know, lie ahead. I think going back to the visibility point and some of the things we talked about in Control Tower, I think it's important to note that a lot of times with Control Tower visibility, it's also not just visibility to the shipment or the truck, but it's also having that nested visibility as well, right? Because you want to be able to then connect, you know, or drill down from a shipment to an order, to the SKUs that are, you know, in that, in that area. Uh, so the more granular you can get, that's going to help, you know, customers, you know, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, be able to make more 
uh, you know, value-added decisions that are going to drive their, uh, you know, ultimate value. Well, uh, you know, John and Brian, uh, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on these topics, but we, we certainly covered a lot of ground today. Uh, both of you provided some great perspectives and, and insights uh, on this topic. So I want to thank both of you for, you know, making the time to be with us today. Uh, John and Brian, thank you. Thank you. This is very enjoyable. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having us. Uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Mercury Gate uh, uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a uh, question or a comment uh, for uh, uh, John or Brian, now you can post it there, and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for watching, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.